so, so good. Go ahead and be seated if you would this morning. I love that we fix our eyes on you. We believe that you're coming soon. That's the, the state, that's the disposition that we live in day by day. And we're going to be talking about that here this morning. Thank you so much. Chris, hey, if you got your Bibles, go over to Matthew chapter 25. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jeremy. If you're newer here, great to be together. One of the pastors on staff here. And uh, Pastor Brian recently started a, a study of the book of Habakkuk. I said Habakkuk, I didn't say Habakkuk, Brian, we've argued a little bit about that. And, uh, and But what we do every once in a while in our series is we'll pop out, and what we kind of set out at the end of last year, beginning of this year, was to take these one-off messages and to just take a parable that Jesus taught and to really dig into it, dive into it, and, uh, and just let it kind of refresh our perspective. And so we're going to be looking at, in Matthew chapter 25 at the parable of the talents. Now, a parable is just simply a short story that Jesus would tell to illustrate a point or a certain lesson to kind of reveal God's ways, to, to um, in an illustrative way, help us to see ourselves rightly, to correct maybe a wrong thinking or a wrong perspective, and just zoom back to like a third-person perspective and tell a story um, to illustrate a certain point or help us understand a lesson. Now, parents, this is gold. Let me tell you, I've employed this tactic with my kids, and it works. Let me give you an example. Like in the fall time on Saturday mornings, I'll go to my daughter and I'll say, Maddie, once upon a time there was this really, really great daughter, okay? And she would make pizza rolls for her father so he could watch the game. And we just kind of let it sit there for a little bit. And I'm like, now what do you think you need to do, Madison? Works every time. Just works every time. I'm telling. No, just just kidding. You know, but the idea of like telling a story and zooming back helps us not to like take it so personally. But that what we can do is we can locate ourselves. We can look at the story, the parable, understand what is it that's being communicated that we need to see about ourselves correctly or about the character of God correctly. So in Matthew chapter 25, let me help you just kind of understand a little bit more of the context here. Uh, Jesus' disciples had been asking him about the coming of the kingdom of heaven, and they were expecting Jesus to, to rise up as this military rule, to overthrow the Roman government, to set up his kingdom. And so they're asking him, like, hey, when is this all going to happen? And they didn't have any idea what was actually going to happen. They had a certain expectation. And so Jesus begins to talk about the times of the end and the kingdom of heaven, and it's going to be like this, and it's going to be like this. And he's telling them, this is what you can expect. And so this parable of the talents is, is dropped right in the middle of Matthew chapter 25. And just note right before it is a parable of the ten bridesmaids. And the, the illustration of this parable is about diligence. It's about living with wisdom and anticipation and, and being ready. And then right after the parable of the talents is when Jesus talks about the white throne judgment. Um, and, and it's a famous passage of scripture where he talks about how things will sum up and it, and it communicates the values of God and what he values most and how he has compassion towards a broken world and then the finality and, and the eternality of his judgment. And then right in the middle in between those two parables is this parable of the talents. And the parable of the talents is about watchfulness, it's about stewardship, and it's about faithfulness. And so that's the title of today's message is Focused on Faithfulness. Let's read together over in Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read verses 14 through 30. This is the parable of the talents. For it, or the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability. Then he went away 
he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. So also the one who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master came to those servants and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here, I've made five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents, for to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance, but from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray as we, as we approach this today. Father, uh, there's so much in this parable. So much about what you would call us to and how you call us to live. Um, in this place of waiting. In this place of waiting for you to return. So Jesus, we fix our eyes on you. For we believe you're coming soon. Help us to live with a spirit of faithfulness and diligence about what you have given to us and what you have called us to. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray, amen. So why did Jesus tell this parable? Like, what's the, what's the point? Well, this is kind of the big move. This is the reason Jesus told this parable was to inspire us to do this, to foster faithfulness until Jesus returns or until he was to come back. Foster faithfulness, that's really the point of this. Faithfulness is, is adherence, it's allegiance, it's diligence, care, dependability, duty, loyalty and trustworthiness and then and then unfaithfulness would be things like disloyalty or treachery disregard laziness neglect inconsistency dishonesty and so we're going to work our way through this passage a little bit at a time and, and kind of talk about it we're going to draw the lessons out of it how do we foster faithfulness and in these in this parable there are there are a few keys and, and some very important lessons that Jesus has shown us about how we are to foster faithfulness in the time of waiting for him to return, okay? So look here again at verse 14. It will be like a man going on a journey. Um, this, we can look back through history and we can see that Jesus was talking about his departure from earth and this in-between time before he would return called the church age, the age that we're living in now. They didn't really understand that. We have the, the luxury of looking back through history and seeing that. He called his servants and he entrusted to them his property. Here's the first lesson in fostering faithfulness until Jesus returned. It's this, it doesn't belong to you. We don't own anything. We are stewards. We are managers. All resources, everything belongs to God. In fact, over in Psalm 
24, 1, it says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We own nothing. Everything we have has been entrusted to us. Now this, again, listen, Jesus tells us a parable to, to correct our perspective. And oftentimes when, when, when we hear this, we don't own it. It doesn't belong to you. We're stewards. They kind of grates again. Well, no, it's mine. My time is mine. My money is mine. My family, my, it's mine. And, and if you want to be a faithful steward to which God has called you, you're going to have to let go of that mindset that it belongs to you. It doesn't belong to you. Everything we have <clears throat> comes from God. Think about the application of this now. Our, our time is a stewardship. Are we stewarding and managing the time that God's given us? How about our money? What about our, our spouse? Are we, are we faithful? Do we think about our spouse like she belongs to me or he belongs to me? Or do we look at our, we look at our spouse like they belong to God and my job is to steward faithfully to help them blossom and to help them grow into everything that God would have called them to. The same with our children or maybe our possessions. Even our health, even our bodies, and then the list goes on, like everything that we have doesn't ultimately belong to us, but we're called to steward God's resources for his purposes. That's the first shift in perspective is that it doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. Now, if we have areas in our lives that we really believe that we're owners, that this, no, it's mine. We're going to have a very hard time. We're going to live like this, like clench-fisted to God. I'm, no, I'm not surrendering this. It's mine. And God's like, hey, well, go ahead. Let me know how that works out for you, right? You know, it's actually to our advantage that it doesn't belong to us. We don't have to try to control situations. We have to faithfully steward and manage and, and do what God has called us to do in the situation while releasing ultimate control to him. It's actually uh, to our advantage to, to live in such a posture that it's like, it doesn't belong to me. Now, that's not to be like have the rental car mentality where it's like, well, I'm just going to drive it hard and into the ground. I don't care. It doesn't belong to me. No, it's like if you borrowed somebody's car, you'd want to return it back to them like in, in good shape, full of gas. You didn't crash into any trees. You didn't leave your, your gum on the floor and your wrappers everywhere like you cleaned it up because the way that you return it to someone shows the character and the, the value that you would have towards that person in your relationship with them. So it doesn't belong to you, okay? That's the first lesson that we see here. So change our perspective. We're owners of nothing. We steward God's resources for his purposes. Now the text moves on. In verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once. Now will you just underline that, highlight that? That's really important in this passage. Those words are extremely important. He went at once and traded with them. He made five talents more he who also had two talents made two talents more. Now, a talent is not like, hey, you've got, you've got the ability to sing, like you're a super talented singer. It's not that. <laughs> a talent in biblical language is actually a unit of measure or weight. It was how they determined weight and value. Now, the talent is like the largest unit of measure. So there's some debate around how much did this actually represent, but what we can say fairly was what, it was a significant amount of money for us but relatively insignificant for, for the master. So for us, it was significant for the master in his resources. It was kind of like a drop in the bucket, which we'll see later that that's really more of the point. But 
a talent is a significant amount. So one gets five talents, one gets two talents, one gets one talent. And each of them was based on their own ability, which gives us a clue that the, if we look at the story and we're in the third person, who's, who's the master? Who's the master? God's the master, right? Who are the, who are the servants? <laughs> we're the servants. And there's three different servants in here, and they're illustrated in different ways. That, and the point being, like, locate yourself. Don't be that guy. Don't be that one guy. But he gives them each a talent or or, uh, these talents based on their abilities, meaning this, that your master knows you. He knows your ability. He knows what you can handle. He knows what you're capable of, and he's going to give you uh, talents or opportunities to be faithful, to be faithful. Notice that he doesn't give everybody the same amount. Now, in our thinking, it's like, well, that's not fair. How come everybody doesn't have, like, equal opportunity? Well, we're going to talk about that in a minute because that's actually one of the very things that we need to resist that kind of thinking if we're going to foster faithfulness. Accept what you've been given. Now, faithfulness is as much about what you do as it is about what you don't do. Okay, catch that. Do you see that in here? Faithfulness is as much about what you do as it is about what you don't do. He went this, this first... Uh, servant and and the second one who had received two went at once that's what he did now implied there's a lot of things that he didn't do you realize with every yes that you say to something you're inherently saying no to like 10 other things right so what you do and what you don't do are extremely important in terms of fostering faithfulness and being focused on faithfulness Notice that he didn't spend time looking around. He didn't spend time going, well, why did I get more than them? And and the guy with two doesn't go, well, how come you gave him five and only gave me two? And he doesn't spend any time looking around and comparing or questioning the master's motives or wondering like, man, I wonder when he's coming back. How much much time do I have? No, he he just went at once. That's the spirit of faithfulness. What we do is as important as what we don't do. You know, when, when we get into this comparison mode, and come on, I think we're all guilty of this. I can't read this without going, man, I just do that, like without even thinking about it. I do, I do the comparison thing. I'm, I'm looking around and going, well, how come I don't have that? And how come they got that? How come you didn't give me that? And we get all wrapped up in trying to figure out why God and, and why all this. And, and the point of the parable is not to even answer those questions like, well, this is why God gave five, two, and one. It doesn't matter. The point is, it doesn't matter. That's not, what, that's not our problem. We shouldn't be working on trying to figure that out. We shouldn't be comparing. The problem with comparison is that if we compare upwards, like, oh, that person's got more than me then we're going to feel inadequate and we're going to feel shameful and and we're going to feel like I'm just not good enough and I'm a failure and I just don't have what they have. And then, but if we compare down to others, then it's like, well, I just, man, I'm so thankful for all that I have and I'm just doing way better than that person. And we develop a sense of pride and arrogance and self-righteousness. So the point is like, just skip the comparison thing altogether. It doesn't matter if you want to foster faithfulness. You got to forget about what everybody else has got. And you got to go, okay, God, this is what you've given me. And, and what you want from me is for me to, to steward this faithfully. See, we tend to derive our value from 
what we do. There's like this sense of worth. That's why we look around and we go, well, um, that person is really valuable because of what they do. And so if I had that, then I would be valuable, right? And it's just, it's a false way of thinking. I love that it says, again, he went at once. He was not concerned with any of that. But do you see how freeing that is? I, I, want, you, I want you to see this. It is so freeing to let go of all of that, to let go of the comparison game, to let go of the wondering why God's done this or wondering when, you know, when is Jesus coming back and like to just focus on faithfulness and to foster it. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about it. Like, it's not your problem. Why did God, I don't know, who cares? At once, he went at once and he just got busy with what God had given him. We just humbly accept what God's given him. And that leads us to kind of our second lesson here. So the first thing is, it doesn't belong to you. The second thing is this sideways energy is a complete waste. Like, you're going to spend your energy one way or another. Don't spend your energy wondering why and contemplating this and questioning God's motives and comparing to everybody else. Like, that is just a complete waste. That's not faithfulness. In fact, ponder this for a second. If we become preoccupied with that which belongs to God, we will neglect that which belongs to us. Have you seen that? I know that I'm guilty of that. If we become preoccupied with that which belongs to God, we will inevitably neglect that which belongs to us. Like, hey, there's God's responsibility, there's God's role in this story, and then there's ours. You don't got to worry about God's business. You don't got to worry about how he divides up his resources and why does he do what he does. It, It doesn't matter. Just faithfully, humbly receive what's been given and have an an attitude of diligence and passion and focus. Like, I'm just gonna be faithful with this and the results are gonna be what they're gonna be. And I don't, I don't, my goal is not to outdo anybody else. My goal is just simply to please my master. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to fret over it. We don't have to try to control it. We don't have to be afraid. We can just simply focus on faithfulness and we can foster that until Jesus returns. Now, identify what's within your control and focus on that. Whether it's your time, your money, your spouse, your children, your possessions, your body, your health. Man, doesn't, isn't it so nerve-wracking when we try to get into God's role and try to assume responsibility for what only God can do? Think about this, parents with your children. Can you change your child's heart? Can you make your child love Jesus authentically from the heart? No. But that doesn't mean you don't do anything. It means that you, you, you work around and you place them in the right environment and you are, you're an ambassador of Christ to them. And there's a lot that we are called to do in stewarding and faithfully stewarding the resources God's given us. Same with your spouse, same with your money, same with your body and your health. You can't, there's certain things you can't control. Don't get hung up in what you can't control. Focus on what God says. Hey, this is your responsibility in this. He went at once, okay? This is the, the point now of the story where the music begins to change a little bit, like it starts to go darker. Now, now we're kind of reaching a bit of like a, but um, something's gonna go wrong. Look in verse 18, but he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, I guess in one sense, it kind of makes some sense, like, well, there was no risk of losing it, sort of. I mean, somebody could have found it and stolen it, but it was pretty much safe, like, hey, it's going to be safe there, and he's going to get back what he gave to me. 
Now, after a long time, again, this is referring to the church age. We've been waiting for a long time for Jesus to come back. But he is coming back, and the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Settled accounts. Now, let me ask you a question. When you hear the word accountability, is that kind of like a bad word or a good word or somewhere in between? Is it mixed, you know? Like accountability to me, I have to personally fight this idea that accountability is like this. I'm going to show up and, and, and Brian's going to be like, all right, let me see what you've done. Tell me all the ways in which you've failed. Tell me all the ways in which you screwed it up again. I'm just waiting to be disappointed by you, right? Like accountability, and I'm tell- that's not Brian. Okay, that's not Brian. I'm, I'm just telling you, like accountability, it, it can be this like fearful thing, and actually in one sense that's good. There is a healthy, sober fear of the Lord that we have to live under. That, Like listen, hey, we're all gonna stand before Jesus, and I'm not going to give an account for what he's given you, and you're not gonna give an account for what he's given me. I'm going to give an account for what he's given me, and you're going to give an account for what he's given you. Now, that doesn't have to be a scary moment, though. Like, in fact, accountability, if we've been faithful, and we've exercised diligence and focus and passion, and we've stewarded well what God's given us, it's actually kind of fun. I love being able to go, to go to Brian and be like, man, there's all these cool things happening. There's many people come to the church and this many people go through step one and these got people got into community group and these people are getting involved in serving and, and it's this like, like, yes, that's so awesome because when you're faithful and you're diligent, accountability is actually your chance to just share like all the amazing things that, that God's done. This guy didn't quite have that mindset. In verse 20, we see, and he who had received uh, five talents came forward, bringing five more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five more. His master said, look at this in verse 20, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. This is what we want to hear Jesus say, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. And you were faithful with what I gave you. You worked, you worked that hard. And, and, and because of your diligence and because of your faith, being full of faith or your faithfulness, you, there, was, there was this good increase. And that's, I just want you to know, that's, that's so awesome. Good job. I'm, I'm proud of you. I love that. You've been faithful with little. I'm going to set you over much. Good speaks of character. Faithful speaks of work ethic. And when, and when we're good and faithful, then God gives us respond more and more responsibility and it produces joy. Do you see that? Like there's a sense of, of purpose and significance and accomplishment and like there's just this fulfillment that comes in serving the Lord with faithfulness because you're like, man, I've taken what you've given me and I'm just, I'm serving you with it. I'm using your resources for your kingdom purposes. And I'm telling you, that is the most joyful, fulfilling way to live your life. Is it not, church? Have you experienced that? So good. The same with the one who had two talents. He came forward and said, Master, you delivered to me two talents, and here's your two more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I set you over much. I'll set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. Lord, you gave me 150 pounds. Behold, here's 300 pounds back. I've been, you know, no, that doesn't work in that regard. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look at what he says, though, between, like, 
five talents and two talents, the response is exactly the same. There's no difference in response. Why? Because the master is not concerned about the amount. He's concerned about the faithfulness. You see that? What is five talents in God's economy versus two talents? It's a drop in the bucket. It's not, it seems kind of like a big deal to us. You know, in pastor land, uh, for, for us, it's like, well, that, that church, they've got 5,000 people, and we've only got 500 people. And it's like, doesn't matter. What's the difference in God's economy? You be faithful, focus on faithfulness, stu- steward your resources that he's given you. It, he's not as concerned with the amount as he is with the faithfulness because he knows that faithfulness produces fruitfulness. And fruitfulness leads to joy. He wants you to enter his joy. That's our third lesson in this this parable that Jesus taught is this faithfulness is a disposition. Faithfulness is not about how much you have or what you do. It's about the disposition you have towards how much you have and what you do. Sometimes the wrong thinking goes like this, like one day when I have a lot or when I win the lottery or when I have that dream job, then I'm going to be faithful. The truth is, if you're not faithful with what he's given you today, you won't be faithful with what he wants to give you tomorrow. That's exactly why Jesus said this in Luke 16.10, one who is faithful with very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest with very little is also dishonest with much because faithfulness is a disposition. It's how you look at what God's given you. It's the attitude, it's the approach. But I'm telling you, church, if, if you want to live in joy and you want to live in fulfillment and you want to live in, in God's blessing and you want to experience the, a sense of worth and significance and calling and value, focus on faithfulness. Because he's given you something that he hasn't given me. He's given me something. He hasn't, he's given us all something different and he's like, I want you to steward it faithfully for my purposes. He also, look in verse 24 here uh, as we move on. Look at the dispositional difference. He also, who had received one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Okay, this is where it's like, oh, oh. Here's kind of like where the, the tension begins to build and we're kind of working to like the climax, the emphasis, the point of the story. Like this is, this is where like Jesus is like trying to get to here. This is so important. I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you had scattered no seed. Really? Like I knew you. This guy, this third servant was was positive that he knew the character, the motives, the intent of the master. He knew that he was a hard man. Really, like, all you care about is results, and you just care about your, your money, and you don't really care about me, and you're just uncaring, and you're only concerned with your gain. I mean, that's pretty accusatory, isn't it? I knew you. You gathered where you, you don't sow, and you, you, uh, you reap where you haven't scattered seed, and Basically, what he's saying, the accusation he's making to the, to the master is, like, you're hard, you're uncaring, you're unloving, um, you only care about your results, and, and you benefit off the work of others. Do you see kind of the implicit, like, 
you're just only concerned about like your gain and you're, you're going to use other people and you're going to benefit from their gain. Really, really. Notice the difference in disposition between the first two and the last. And also notice the difference in perspective on the character of the master. Do you see, do you see the tie there? The first two saw it as an opportunity. They're like, oh my gosh, look at what I've been given. This is an incredible opportunity for me to exercise faithfulness, to be eyes up, to be looking around, looking for opportunities, learning, exercising wisdom, and and seeing good things happen. Their perspective was one of faith. The last dude, he feared risk and failure and loss, and ultimately he feared rejection by the master. And so because of his fear, He did nothing. Catch that. Faithfulness is a disposition, but here's lesson number four. What you believe about God's character is what determines your disposition. You see that? This is kind of the point of the story. There's this brokenness between God and man, and sin is the brokenness. And and because we are sinful and fallen, we don't see God rightly. We don't know his heart and his character. And, And oftentimes, what we do in our sin fallen nature is exactly what this guy did. Think back to Genesis chapter 3 with me for a minute. Genesis 3 is is the fall of man. Remember when, when God came walking in the cool of the day? What did Adam and Eve do? They were afraid, so they hid, and then they blame, 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 right? That's exactly what this guy is doing. It's, it's the unredeemed nature of man. It's the fallen nature of man for us to hide because we're afraid and then to just blame everybody else. The problem is everybody else. It's you, God, ultimately. It's you. It's not me. And you might be like, well, but you know what? I've stepped out and I've, I've tried to invest and, and I, I stepped out and I, I served in the church and I was faithful and I really got hurt and I really got burned. And I'm like, hey, me too, me too. Let me put it to you like this though. If you try planting a garden for one year and you don't yield good crops, do you stop gardening altogether? Well, that didn't work. Clearly I'm never doing that again, right? No, you learn, you go, why? What happened? Was it the soil? Did I, did I do something wrong? What was going on? And you learn, it's kind of like investing money too. Investing, like every investment is not always like gonna pay dividends. And what you, you learn over time what does and what doesn't. And you just keep working at it. You don't stop at failure and, and, and pain and be like, I'm never doing that again. That's, that's how we, we develop this, this disposition of fear and, and we, we're just going to live this like protective life like I'm never going to even be in the spot for failure because what I ultimately fear is not, not so much failure. Yes, it's failure, but it's ultimately I fear rejection by my master. And God's like, dig down to that and examine what you really believe about the heart and the motive and the character of God towards you. Blaming, fear-based, hiding, intimidation. I was just intimidated. What do you believe about the character of God? And let me ask you this question again. Who do you ultimately work for? Right, because I know people people are a mess and and things, but we ultimately work for Jesus. And what we believe about the character of, of God will ultimately determine our disposition. 
your main motivation for what you do should be your love for God, not not even the desire for result, results, but like your love. Like I just, I want to serve you faithfully. Whatever your hand finds to do, do wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. Your main motivation is love for God, not even primarily love for your job. It's awesome when, when you get to do something that you love to do and you're created to do, but what do you do when you're working a job that you're like, I don't so much love it. Well, whatever, I'm, I'm just going to like, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to be faithful. I'm not going to work hard until I get what I want. That reveals ultimately what you believe about God. Did he give you that job? Is it his? Is the money? Is the paycheck? Is, is the earth the Lord's and the fullness thereof? Catch this. What you believe will determine how you behave. And conversely, how you behave is the great revealer of what you believe. You see the connection there? The first two servants looked at the master and, and with eyes of faith and opportunity were like, thank you, this is incredible what you've given me. I'm going to go at once and I'm just going to get after it and be faithful. The third guy comes along and accuses God, blames God, hides in fear. It's, it's interesting that Jesus and, and the Bible has said in multiple places out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. There's two witnesses in the story. There's one accuser. The accuser's like, well, God, it's you. You're the problem. You're this, this, and this. And the other two guys, I gotta be like, what? Like, no, he's not. Is the problem God's character or is the problem this, this servant's perspective and his character? See, that's what the story shows us. The first two guys saw the master very differently. And you have to ask yourself this question. Who was seeing the master rightly? Right? Who was seeing him rightly? This is incredible. When we get this, when we, when we settle that your God, your master, your Lord Jesus, like he has set you up for success. He has set you up to be faithful. He set you up to, to see things happen in your life. But, but it so comes down to like, do you really believe that? Or do you believe that he's just this hard, uncaring, distant God? His master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, verse 26, you knew that I reap where I have not. You knew, right? You, oh, you know me? You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. You, you knew that I benefit off the work of others. Well, how come you didn't go do that? You should have invested the money with the bankers. And at least at my coming, I could have received mine with interest. You didn't have to do anything. You could have just done what you're accusing me of, right? Benefit off of somebody else's work. He accused the master of that, and, but he didn't even, didn't even do that, you know? Slothful, wicked, slothful and wicked. Look at the contrast here as, as this parable closes. You, you can see this is kind of the point of it. Good, well done, good and faithful servant. You wicked and slothful, good and faithful speaking to character and work ethic. W wicked and slothful character work ethic. And now there's this contrast. So take it from him. And give it to the one with ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. For the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, this is a very stark contrast. The outcomes are very different. The, the first two who were good and faithful entered into joy. And were given more responsibility because of their faithfulness. 
This one was cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now this, this could well speak to uh, eternal judgment. This could speak to that he never really had relationship with the master. But it's not even necessarily the point. We don't want to step out there too much and say that. The point being, there's such a contrast between outcomes, but, but this parable reveals the, the lessons we need to know about fostering faithfulness and, and what makes a person faithful and what makes a person unfaithful. The master goes on to say, hey, give it to the one who has 10 because who, whoever has more will be given. You know, there's something about faithfulness that, <laughs> that God's like, hey, if you're faithful, I'm gonna even give you more, uh, more resources from, from people who have been unfaithful. You know, you know this as a business owner. If you're looking to promote somebody, you're not like, okay, who's the sloppiest, laziest, uh, most incompetent? Let's give that guy a promotion. Like, that's not how it works, right? You're looking for passion. You're looking for focus, skill, diligence. Uh, Joseph is a great example in the Bible of this. We did a study on Joseph a few years back. He's a great Bible example of this very principle. The point is, don't be that guy. Jesus told this story to write our perspective so we could locate ourselves. Also, we could understand the underlying factors to what would make us afraid of God or hide from God or bury our talents. Don't live in a place of remorse and regret or lost opportunity. Have have I used God's resources to accomplish his work? You know, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water and fertilize the grass. That's how you get green grass. We live in this illusion that is like, well, if I just had that. It's like, no, just at once, just go to work. Remember this, it doesn't belong to you. That's the first lesson. We're stewards, we're managers. We use God's resources for God's kingdom. Uh, Number two, sideways energy is a waste. Don't spend your energy in, in, in no man's land, but focus on what he's given you and f- being faithful with what he's given you. Number three, faithfulness is a disposition. It doesn't matter how much you have or what you do. It's how you approach and how you look at how much you have and what you do. And then number four, what you believe about God's character determines your disposition. He's for you. He's given you, he's positioned you, he's given you resources so that you can be faithful, so that you can see good fruit. And that'll be an awesome day. It'll be a great day for you to stand before Jesus and to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. We foster faithfulness until Jesus returns. Let's pray together. Lord, this, uh, this passage is just deeply challenging, and I know there's a lot of things even in this that we could dig and talk more about. There's so much, but I, I pray today, Holy Spirit, that... Um, there just would be a writing of perspective. God, I thank you for the diligence and the faithfulness that I see just even in our church weekly from the team that is up so early practicing to lead us in worship to those who arrive early to minister to and and teach your word to our children, to those who are greeting and helping people be seated, to to those who are behind the scenes and, and serving the coffee and, and whatever it is, Lord, I, I, I see the joy that faithfulness produces and I pray that as a church we would walk in greater ways. I pray for those who uh, maybe are here and are challenged by this, maybe for whatever reason have just looked at it like it's mine and I get to choose what I want and not really fully surrendered, that it's yours, it's not ours. Maybe for the one, Lord, this morning who has 
felt like I've tried and I've just been kind of hurt and burned, I pray that there would just be a, a learning and a leaning into you and a looking back to you that you're, you are good and we can learn from whatever we walk through and that we would continue to just foster faithfulness, which leads to fruitfulness, produces joy. Just Holy Spirit, I pray that you would challenge each person individually, um, even now as we worship and as we, we ponder this. What can we do? What steps of faith and faithfulness can we take to serve you as we're waiting for you to return? It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.